Hey everyone, and welcome to the Bible Breakdown Podcast. In this podcast, we will be breaking down the Bible one chapter a day. Whether you are a new believer or have been following Christ for a while, we believe that you will learn something new and fresh every single day. So thank you for joining us, and let's get into breaking down the Bible together. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Bible Breakdown Podcast with your host, Pastor Brandon. Today, 1 Kings chapter 19, and today's title is, Why are you running, bro? <laughs> why, why are you running? But running Elijah is doing, and there's actually some really good reasons why he is running. We're going to get into that in just a moment. But as always, if you like what we're doing here, make sure you like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you leave us a five-star review. Got my water bottle in the shot today. Make sure you leave us a five-star review on the podcast. And as always, the Bible Breakdown Discussion is where we all come together and we just grow in the Lord together. And I'm going to tell you something. The more we dig the more we find. And this is one of those as well. There's so much in this. And so if you want to open 1 Kings chapter 19, I want to bring you up to speed on what happened yesterday. And that is yesterday, God said enough's enough. And so he gets Elijah to go and just challenge the entire nation of Israel and said, how long are you going to waver between two opinions? If God is God, follow him. But he also said, if Baal is God, follow him. So let's have us kind of a battle royale. And what they decided to do is, is they said, here's the thing. I, we're going to offer a sacrifice. And whoever's God answers, answers by fire, that's the real God. And so the only one true God answered by fire. And so the 450 prophets of Baal, they were killed. After that, Elijah prays, water comes. Everything's great, right? Everything should be wonderful. There's now rain. The famine is over. Everything should be amazing. However... Not everybody is going to be excited when God does something great in your life. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed that yet, but that's just kind of the way it is because it's the way it is. So we're going to read what happens today, and we're going to see what God would say to us when good things happen, and then a bad day follows. Does that mean God's left us, or does that mean something else is going on? Let's read this and find out together. First Kings chapter 19, verse 1 says this. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel, everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent a message to Elijah, may the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you have killed them. Elijah was afraid and he fled for his life. Now pause. Wait a minute. Elijah had just finished standing in front of all Israel standing in front of 450 prophets of Baal, and said, whoever's God is God, answer by fire. God did. And then he, un, by God's grace, and God did it through him, but he, God used him to call rain in. <laughs> then he outran the fastest horses in Israel. And now one lady, and she is the queen, but one lady says, I'm going to kill you. And he's afraid and runs for his life. After all that, why are you running, bro? <laughs> well, there's some good reasons why he's running, and let's see if we can find out why. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. He lay down and he slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, Get up and eat. 
And he looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, for the journey ahead of you will be too much for you. So he got up, and he ate, and he drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. And there he came to a cave where he spent the night. Now, the first reason why we find out is you think about all that stuff that he did, he was exhausted. He was emotionally, physically, and in every way depleted. And isn't that what happens a lot of times when we have a great moment with God? It's a great moment, but it still takes out of us all the, the things. We get exhausted in all these different ways. And then when somebody says something we don't like, somebody says something threatening, someone challenges us, instead of stepping up and being the man or woman of God that we know God has called us to be, we run and we hide. It's not because God's not faithful. It's not because God's forgotten us. It's because we're exhausted. I heard someone say one time, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is go to bed <laughs> because you need to rest your physical body. Well, that's what happens. Elijah goes somewhere and he says, God, I just want to die. I can't. He's, just, he's depressed. He's exhausted. And so God says, lay down and sleep. So he gets up, he goes, he sleeps, and he gets up and he eats, and he goes back to sleep again. He's recovering his strength, slowly recovering his strength. But he still needs to hear from God. And so the Bible says he goes for 40 days and 40 nights until he comes to a cave beside or in the side of Mount Sinai. We're going to read this together, and then I want to kind of give you a hint on where this cave has shown up in the Bible before. But first, let's read what happens. The Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? So Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, killed every one of your prophets, and I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. So the reason why he came was because he desperately needed to get in touch with the Lord. So where did he go when he wanted to get in touch with the Lord? Notice what it said. He went to a cave. Also, uh, another translation say a cleft in the rock at Mount Sinai. Where have we seen that before? There was a time in Moses' life when Moses said, God, I want to encounter with you. I want to see you. I want to see you face to face. I need to get in touch with you. And God said, you cannot see my full glory and live. It's too much for you. But I tell you what I'll do. I will put you in a cleft of the rock, in a cave, and I will... Let my glory pass before you and you will see the, the back parts of me. In other words, you will see just a passing gaze at my goodness. And that's the best I can do, but it'll be enough. And it was. It was an amazing experience. And so now, several hundred years later, when Elijah desperately needs to get in touch with God, he goes back to the same cave that they had heard. That's the cave. That's the cleft of the rock where Moses met with God and saw the passing glory of God's presence. And so if you need to get in touch with God, you go to that cave. And so now hundreds of years later, Elijah goes to the cave where Moses saw the goodness of God. And he says, God, I need to know what to do. I need to get in touch with you. And so this is what happens. God tells him, go out and stand before me on the mountain. And the Lord told him this, and I, Elijah went and stood there, and the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. 
After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard that, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And the voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one, and now they are trying to kill me too. So God did this amazing thing, and he said, come close. He heard the the whisper, and he asked him again, why are you running, bro? Look at what I can do. Why are you running? And Elijah had the same question. God, I just don't know what to do. What do you want me to do? And then watch what happens, verse 15. Then the Lord said, go back the same way you came. Travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Hazel to be king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be the king of Israel. Then anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel-Meholoah, to replace you as my prophet. Anyone who escapes from Hazel will be killed by Jehu, and those who escape Jehu will be killed by Elisha. Yet I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. So Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing in a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. By the way, that was a symbol of, I want you to come follow me and be my apprentice. So Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah and said to him, first, let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I will go with you. Elijah replied, go on back, but think about what I have done to you. So Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire and roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople, and they all ate. And then he went with Elijah as his assistant. Wow. What, a, what an amazing progression that happened. The first part of the chapter, we see that Elijah gets desperately afraid because of the voice of a lady who wasn't supporting what God was doing in his life. He went and he needed to go rest. He was depressed. He needed to have an encounter with God. He first rested his body, and then he went to where he knew he could get in touch with the Lord. And when he got there, he got honest with God. God, I need to know what you want me to do. And when he got there, I love how God asked him twice, why are you running, bro? Why are you here? God, I need to get in touch with you. No, you need to go do what I've called you to do. You're good. You're fine. Keep doing what I've called you to do. And that's what he does. He goes and he he fulfills his obligations as a prophet. He anoints the next people. He does what he's supposed to do. He goes and gets Elisha, who is going to be his apprentice, and it's going to be amazing. And so can I tell you this? A bad day does not equal a bad life. There are times when things will start to happen in your life, and you'll begin to see shifting, and not everybody's going to agree with you. And it could be a symbol, a sign for you to dig in deeper to God's presence so that he can let you know what's, what's happening, what you need to do, right? But here's the thing. Not always is that the case. Sometimes what's going on is that there are people who are acting against you, but it's not because you're doing anything wrong. It's because you're doing something right. Sometimes things will happen that are bad because of the good things you're doing. That's exactly what was happening in the life of Elijah. The reason why Jezebel was trying to kill him was because of all the good things that God was doing through him. And so what God ends up telling him is, Go back and keep doing what you were already doing. 
I know it's a bad day, but it's not a bad life. You're probably doing better than you realize. And so can I tell you this? Maybe something bad is happening in your life because you're moving in the right direction. Now, maybe not. If you have unconfessed sin in your life, eh, that's because you've got unconfessed sin in your life. You should repent of that mess and, and run to Jesus, right? But let's say you're doing the best you can. You're not perfect, but you're doing the best you can. But in the process of you doing the best you can, bad things are happening in your life. It might not be a sign that you're doing something wrong. It might be a sign you're doing something very right. So what do you do? First of all, rest your body. Take a day off. Find a day of rest. Well, pastor, you don't understand. I got small kids. I'm not saying you can take the whole day off, but take some time off and rest. Go to bed an hour early for a couple of days. Rest your body because your body has an effect on everything else. If you're exhausted in your body, you'll be exhausted in your mind. It's just the way it is. But then after that, don't just hope it gets better. Go find a place where you can have an encounter with God. Come into God's house on Sunday morning saying, listen, I don't care. I love all you guys, but I don't care what y'all think of me. I'm going for it today. I'm going to get into God's presence. I'm going to make sure I get into his presence today. Maybe in your, your private time with God, you just, instead of spending the whole time praying about your problem, spend the whole time in worship. God, I need to have an encounter with you and then let him speak to you. And what he very well may be saying is, I'm not changing anything. I'm just telling you to keep going. I'm proud of you. You're doing better than you realize. Everything's going according to plan. The only thing you need to do is to not give up. I love you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you, God, that you're with us and you're for us more than we can imagine. Lord, I feel like you may be telling some of us, maybe all of us, why are you running, bro? Why are you running away? Why are you stepping back? from all that God, God has called you to do. I don't know what you may be doing in people's life, and maybe maybe in someone's life right now, you are speaking to them to take a break, take a breather, step away. I, I don't know. But I would dare say for a majority of us, God, you're not asking us to step back. You're asking us to step forward, to step into all the things you've called us to do, to every open door you have made in our life. I pray, God, you will make your path real and visible for us. So instead of stepping back or running away, we can run toward your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Well, this same Elijah challenges us in 1 Kings chapter 18 when he said this, how long will you waver? Hobbling between two opinions. If the Lord is God, follow him. Let's make sure we do that with all of our heart and watch what God will do with our lives. I love you. I'll see you tomorrow for 1 Kings chapter 20.